Welcome to the Larry Kreider's Leadership Podcast. Larry is the author of over 40 books, the founder of Dove International, a worldwide family of churches and ministries in six continents, and has over 50 years of leadership experience. He and his guests will share inspirational leadership insights from their journey with God. These insights, gleaned from serving leaders in many nations, will transform your life and leadership. For more information on Larry's books and resources, visit LarryKreider.com. Welcome to the Larry Kreider Leadership Podcast. This is Larry Kreider, where we talk to leaders from all over the world, and we learn these spiritual truths and principles and leadership principles that help us become better leaders. That's what we're leaving God for. With me today in the studio is my good friend for many years, Tony Fitzgerald from Tasmania, Australia. Welcome. Thanks, Larry. It's great to be with you again. <laughs> well, we had you on before. I mean, so many people have loved your insights on leadership. I think last I checked, you've been one of the number one podcasts that I've had so on leadership. And uh, we wanted to have you back and take some time and ask you more questions about leadership. We're not going to go over all your story. We did that in the past. Yes. But I want to talk to you, want to talk to you about the basic you know, principles, basic spiritual truths in leadership. And a lot of that for you has to do with how you see God's kingdom. Obviously, we're talking about spiritual leadership and how you see spiritual sons and daughters being released. And like when you sit down with a younger leader, whether it's in a business realm or in the church realm, what are the kinds of things you impart to them? Wow, that's a, a great question. <laughs> yeah, usually, you know, it comes out of heart to heart with yes. me, obviously, and um, a father or son basis. So depending on whether I'm sharing in a group Right. sharing in a round table. Well, what about one-on-one? You talk about fathers and sons. What do you mean by that? Well, father and sons is a, a well-talked-about title kind of thing these right. days. But years ago, when we first started down this path, when we built what eventually became our international network right. of right. churches, etc., yeah. Church of the Nations, um, we made a decision that in the, all of our building would build from relationship to structure, not from structure to Explain relationship. Explain that. I love that. Explain that. Well, it was a one of those things that as we were walking it through, decided are we going to have just organization yes. and structure or are we going to grow by building relationships and see who God puts together and how we join together? So the structure then that. follows the relationship. Is that what you're yeah. saying? Yeah. So that's our strengths and weaknesses like any way one sure. builds in leadership things. Um, the strength for us has been that everyone that we work with is really connected and related. So if someone comes into relationship with us, it doesn't come in or that person or church or something doesn't come in through just signing up on a on right. a page or something right. or just right. hearing something online or seeing something and saying we want you to be our apostle or something like right. that, you know. Right. But it comes through relationship building, connection and sometimes people ask us, how can you join, say, Church of the Nations right. or, or what you do within that? And we simply say, you can't. Uh, God has to add you. We, we're not an organization that can be joined in a sense, mm-hmm. like you join the golf club or the Rotary Club or something. But if God's joining us and putting us together in heart, um, then let's travel that and see where God leads that. So what does that actually look like? Be as practical as you can. What does that look like? Uh, well, in people I work with, it, it um Depending whether in the marketplace sure. or um, you know church-based life, right? Everyone's in church-based life, of course. Right, right. But in marketplace or education, You're about leadership politics, of church-based leadership, life. Yeah, sure. leadership of church-based life. Um, we um, 
just began to look at the whole area. What are the principles of the kingdom that we feel work in every area okay. of society? Okay. You know, people talk these days about the seven mountains and right. the seven spheres of influence. I was blessed to be around some of those people 40 years ago when they first received that revelation, right. uh, Lauren Cunningham and others, sure. you know, at that time. So I had my early ministry in the early part of our life, what became Church of the Nations, formed out of that really. And so we have looked and say, what principles work everywhere? Yes. Now, there's some that only work in certain areas. If you're in church leadership, it's a little different to marketplace leadership. But people have helped us to understand how we work in different areas of finances, how you work in, in dedicated uh, finances, kingdom finances, and, and uh, how you work in devoted finances and business finances, certain separate principles. So we just came up and believed as we traveled on what we'd see that works everywhere, and we try to work with those principles in every area of life. Okay. So talk about some of these financial principles that you're talking about. What, what does that look like? Um, well, mm-hmm. we learned a number of years ago, obviously we, we embraced the principles of tithing and giving sure. and offerings and those kinds of things. Sure. But about um, 14, 15 years ago, I guess it was, I was teaching a lot on finances sure. and was praying and, and just felt there was still something missing. Mm-hmm. I felt there was just too many people tithing but still not getting blessed. Sure. Now, some might argue then there's all kinds of reasons for that. But it just wasn't settling right in me, and I thought there's a missing key. And in a real supernatural way, I was back out visiting Australia, and I just prayed a prayer before I left. God, show me what this missing key is, and then make a long story down to just a minute. It all happened over a couple of days, but I just came under this understanding through someone else and through something that was almost given to me negatively. But... um, about this principle of first fruits. Mm -hmm. And that became really a key to our understanding. But the first fruit principle, um, not only just in the financial realm, but every realm, became very fundamental for us. How do we give our first to God, not just what's left over and offering out of something else, but our very first, you know, of everything. And so training people and helping people in the business world as well as church leadership work to begin to live in some of these principles have really been liberating for us and really brought us a whole new dynamic understanding sure. of even what our salvation means to us sure. and how we walk with the Lord. You sure. Know? So can you tell us a little more about First Fruits Offerings and how that works out practically? Yeah, I mean, practically, um, I'll be in South Africa in two weeks' time, and Mm -hmm. one of the things I'm doing there is reteaching First Fruits in a two- to three-part series, so they're filming it and doing it, so putting it out a little bit wider. But really, First Fruits comes from our understanding that that's where giving began Mm -hmm. in the Bible, that the first mention of giving and finances was not the tithe. That came later and is very important, of course, but it was the First Fruit principle, and right Mm -hmm. back to the Cain and Abel, uh, right. Time, uh, I think I grew up a little bit understanding the difference between Cain and Abel's offerings and why one was accepted and one wasn't was that one was a, like a blood sacrifice some would right. teach or different things like that and why that may be very significant in the story especially as Jesus became our first fruit offering and was the lamb that was slain it was more than just the fact it was a blood offering it was the first offering mm. and so God said to Cain the devil's waiting for you at the door, basically, right? because you brought me an offering out of your abundance. But Abel brought me an offering that was his first 
lamb, the first right, fruit. Right. Because when you brought the first fruit, there was no guarantee there would be any more. Right. I mean, a blight might go through the flock or whatever, a sheep mm-hmm. or whatever, and there might be nothing more. So their belief was, if you brought the first fruit, if the first fruit was blessed, the whole lump was blessed. Mm-hmm. And that became wonderful for us in understanding it would take me ages to go through the financial, sure. full financial sure. side. But even when it said uh, about Jesus, he became our first fruit offering. When they brought a first fruit offering in the Old Testament, eventually once it moved on from Cain and Abel and mm-hmm. all of that, and would bring it to the high priest, the wonderful thing that happened is that they said they lifted it up with their hands, lifted it up in the air, and then to the and gave it to God then gave it into the hands of the high priest. Mm. And that was so beautiful because when it says, uh, and then it said that became like a teruma offering. In other words, a blessed offering. And if that offering was blessed, the whole lump that followed was blessed. Mm. So when we began to understand what the scripture said, that Jesus became our first fruit offering, how did that offering that the father gave become a teruma or a blessed Mm -hmm. offering? And Jesus himself said, when I'm high and lifted up oh, and good. in your hands, Father, I give myself, he became the first fruit offering. Mm-hmm. So as a blessed first fruit offering, as the first son, all the sons that followed became blessed mm. in the first fruit offering. And, uh, yeah, in different kinds of church, I understand even the Church of England, Anglican Church in, in the UK, in early years, the first son that was born into a family was set aside for ministry in a sense mm. because there was a sense of giving the first fruit uh, to the high priest or to the father. Sure, you know? sure. So that's become very special to us and gave us understanding, of course, when it says we've received the first fruit of the Holy Spirit. And that comes out around about 2.5% when we do the math these days. But it, it's almost like it was saying it only takes the first fruit of the Holy Spirit to sanctify you but it'll take all of him to glorify you. Uh, yeah, so yeah. it's been a wonderful yeah. coming. So we work with that in marketplace, businesses, not just business leaders, but how companies operate in that as well. Could you and, talk about that a bit? That'd be intriguing. From yeah. the company side, the business side, the marketplace side. Yeah, I love the market side, as you know, the marketplace side. And um, and some of the sons I father are, are yes. very much involved in marketplace and situations and the and finance. We separate finance and the marketplace a little bit these days in the mountains. Sure. But um, very similar in the original seven, you know. But, um, yeah, so we encourage them to learn not only how they first fruit on their – and tithe, of course, and the other things as well, but on their um, profits and giving, but also – up front in their companies. And I believe um, there's going to be more and more of that take place. And there's a lot of ways God's going to, I believe, fund the apostolic, the prophetic, the moving forth of things. I won't give any details, but I was on a call to a very big investment man and company man in South Africa just a couple of days before I came up here with another man. And he he was saying to me, he just feels the call of God on his life Mm. is how to raise up release the finances to take care of God's servants as they get older in life and that kind of thing Beautiful. because it's built into their company structure. And he had built it into their giving on profit structure, but it never built it into the first fruit structure. And he uh-huh. wants to move in on all that now and see that develop into the companies. So we encourage young business guys and, and others as well even to forecast in their faith and into their um, predictions, if you want, of where the company is going to go the next sure. year, what they want their profit margins to be, 
and first fruit on that up front before it comes in and then faith it in to see it happen and at the end of that financial year look at it make any adjustments and see but to get giving at the beginning not at the end Mm, beautiful yeah you teach so much on the kingdom of god you know a bit radical (laughs) so it's it's awesome talk to us a bit more about that especially as leaders because leaders really understand the kingdom you often talk about the gospel of the church versus the gospel of the kingdom Explain the difference. Talk about that a bit. Yeah. Meaning, of course, when I say the gospel of the church, obviously I'm very much for the church. Of course. And the whole church is the kingdom church. Right. So, And the church is the government of the kingdom and is the training ground for kingdom people and all of that. When I say the difference in the gospel of the church and the gospel of the kingdom, I'm meaning people that just see the church as the end of it. Right. And not as function of why it actually is here. And so it's more into the um, maintaining and preventive rather than the attacking mode. And we found that right through education and everything. Like Christian education, kingdom education, really only works from the offensive. If you start a Christian school to keep the devil out, it's not going to work. He'll get in. He got into our Bible college, so he'll get in anywhere, you know. But you, you run Christian education to advance the kingdom not just to keep the devil out. Right. And so we're primarily not a defensive mm-hmm. movement as <laughs> the kingdom. Right. And so in that context, I came into really understanding salvation, and I probably shared that in the first podcast, after I'd had cancer when I was in my right. teens, after growing up in a Christian life and evangelical life, um, to one day be driving in my car to collect Marilyn after we'd been to the surf of the day to, um, we were boy and girlfriend to take her to the movies. And that's when I looked back and realized in the car driving to her home that night, God arrested my life really. Mm. And that's when I first saw a glimpse of the kingdom. Although I was raised in a fairly kingdom based denomination sure. really, that it, but wasn't really practicing that way. But, um, and it was just through a marketplace scripture. I felt I just saw in that scripture of the pearl collector where it said the kingdom of heaven mm-hmm. is like a businessman. Mm. He's like a pearl collector. But mm-hmm. when he saw the pearl of great price, he gave up all his pearls to get that pearl. Right. And I saw that as a vision of the kingdom that mm-hmm. night and realized that's what I wanted to give my life to. Because up till then, I'd probably heard most regularly in church, I'm not sure it was all that was preached, but of what I heard, and sure. I realized I didn't hear all that was preached but uh, in that age. But I, I guess what I heard was come to Jesus and give him your sin. Right. And I realized in the car that night he didn't want my sin. The last time he took it, it killed him. So mm-hmm. why would he want it again? He didn't die for my sin. He died to deal with the sin issue, mm-hmm. but he didn't die to take my sin. He took it to the cross to right. deal with it. Right. But he didn't want me to continually give him my sin. Right. He was after my pearls. Mm. and he didn't want my just rights he wanted uh, my wrongs he wanted my rights which meant a right to Maryland then a right to my nation a right to my sports career a right right to my vocation and I realized that the only rights a Christian was going to have or I was going to have was a right to have no rights because I was going to serve a king wasn't going to live in a Christian democracy Mm -hmm. I was going to live in under a king and on a king in the kingdom Living in Australia, then in Great Britain, I realized even the very ground you stand on 
is crown land. Right. It's owned by royalty. Correct. And you are really just a steward of anything. Mm-hmm. And that's what became real for me for my understanding of the kingdom. And it's become the pursuance of my life for the last 40 odd years mm-hmm. to know the king and grow his kingdom, you mm-hmm. know. So. so, Tony, a young man sits with you, or a young lady sits with you, called a leadership, and they say, uh, you know, what are the important things for me to understand? What are the important things that I should know? I want to be like Tony Fitzgerald when I grow up, all right? <laughs> so what would you tell them? Uh, first of all, get rid of that idea <laughs> and be like Jesus when you grow exactly. up. Exactly. But, um, but where we could help and, and sow into that, I would say ask three questions in your life. First of all, whose am I? Okay. Who am I? And to whom am I joined? Unpack that. So first of all, if you're going to find your destiny in leadership or in anything, you're going to need to know whose you are. If you don't know you're a son of the Father Mm. and you don't know his fatherhood in your life, Mm. then you're going to lead and minister for identity. You're going to lead and minister for acceptance. Um, I'm grateful I don't have to do any of that, even if I fall back into that at times maybe, but I don't have to do any of that. I have all the acceptance I want with Marilyn and my kids and family. I don't have to preach to get asked back or something. Right. Um, You know, but it's a settle that issue. Mm. Are you a son of the father? Because anything else we talk about fathers and sons in this realm is not to make people sons of us. It's together become sons of him. That's right. And so it's all of us to disciple and grow and mature. So when I meet with people I might say are sons, we also meet as a group of sons to him as a That's father. Right. That's right. It's just a position I have in their midst that they've given because for every um, heavenly truth, there's an earthly working out. That's right. And when, um, you know, in the scripture uh, in John, in the epistles of John, where it said, if you love, if you love, say you love God, but don't love your fellow man or your brother, then you're a liar. And the truth is not in you. Right. Why? Because every vertical truth needs a horizontal working out. Mm-hmm. So fathers and sons is so we can really grow in our fatherhood with our father, our right. heavenly father, is we walk it out a horizontal way as well. And um, so I would say, first answer whose you are, so you know you're a son of the father. Yes. Then um, who are who you are, the who's who and whom. Who you are, you're not going to know really who you are till you know whose you are. Mm-hmm. Because when your security comes in who you are, I guess the greatest illustration of that is Jesus' 30-year life. That's been my study until the waters of baptism. And he heard the Father say to him, this is my beloved, fully grown up, fully matured, reflection of the Father's Son in whom I'm well pleased. He didn't say, this is my beloved apostle, this is my beloved prophet, so this is my beloved teacher. He said, this is my beloved son. Mm-hmm. And that's all Jesus wanted to hear that he had matured to be the fullness of his father. From then on, he was a dead man walking. I only mm-hmm. do what the father, what I see the father doing. I only say what I hear the father saying. Today, he would have been a total disaster in one way because he never had one original idea in his life, really, after that. He only just heard from heaven that's and released right. it on earth. That's right. Now, that's, so who, whose you are, who you are, and then whom, to whom are you joined to walk it through. So who has God put into your life in a spiritual fatherhood role? And that's male or female, of course, fathers and mothers. And we say to the ladies, you can be a son of God if you let us be a part of the bride of Christ. (laughs) That's the deal. So it's not male or female. 
But um, uh, it's to have someone in your life like that. Yeah. And it's not difficult to know who that person is. People find it very hard because they're more looking for gift than anything else. And you right. do need, that's why Paul said, you have many teachers but few fathers, right. not just one necessarily. Right. Right. But um, I think when you're in ministry alignment, you're growing in fivefold ministry, something particularly, then you will have a very identifiable father mm -hmm. in your life. And, um, and then, of course, from that, to be able to go on and father others. And so you know to whom you are joined for the journey because we're not called to walk it alone. Um, we need that correction into our life and we need to be able to receive correction in our life. Mm -hmm. Others have said this too, but I always believe that every leader needs a Paul, needs a Timothy, and needs a Barnabas. Exactly. He needs a Paul as a spiritual father, he needs a spiritual son in his life, and he needs brothers that are the encouragers to encourage him mm -hmm. on the journey Beautiful. as well. So, Tony, you are a spiritual father to many, both in the marketplace and also I mean, in business and also in the church world both. Uh, so talk to us about some things that you, as you look back over your years, and we're close to the same age, you've got a little bit on me, but we're pretty close. <laughs> as you look back, even to your younger years, if you could have done some things differently, what would some of those things be? Or did you do it all perfect? Yeah, I'm one of those people that looks back and says, I've never changed a thing. <laughs> no, I'm one that looks back and says, I've changed a lot. <laughs> Number one, obviously your own life. Right. Purity of thought, heart, yes. motive. Sure. You know, you wade through after a while the Beatitudes and realize to become that Macarius man, that word is blessed, is the word Macarius. Yes. And I teach a whole uh, you know, couple of parts series on how to become the Macarius man. But when you read through that, blessed are the poor in spirit, blessed are the, you know, those who hunger and thirst, etc. I would um, spend more time, I think, becoming the man as much as I could. Although early in my life, God did speak a word. We prayed a prayer, myself and others, to God. Don't develop our gifting quicker than you can develop our character. Um, Say that again. That was really good. Don't develop our gifting Mm -hmm. quicker than you develop our character. Beautiful. And I would say there were times in my life where my gift was more paramount to me than really my character. Mm -hmm. uh, and that gets corrected over many years and journey and maturity yes. and repentance and all those kinds That's of right. things. But um, that would be what I would say to a young leader. Become a Macarius man, mm -hmm. if you can understand that through the Beatitudes, but become that man who lives in that blessed state that he talks about there. And really, when you look at that story in the Bible, Jesus was at the foot of the mountain. Miracles were happening everywhere. Every sick person that was coming was getting healed. And it says, which not everyone teaches, and I don't want to misinterpret it, right. but it says he went then up onto a mountain, just a small hill really, right. went up on the mountain, and his disciples came to him. Yeah. And he sat down, and unto them he said, now, a Jewish rabbi, when he was making his most powerful revelationary statements that were life-changing and continually in a life, he always did it from a seated position. Interesting. Which was incredible when you think Jesus sat down and unto them he said, mm -hmm. blessed are the poor in spirit. Mm -hmm. In other words, what was he saying? He was saying, if you want to see what you've just witnessed on the foot of the mountain and do that. Mm -hmm. You're going to have to become the man I'm just telling you about mm -hmm. because that's who he was. Mm -hmm. And so um, I love that whole 
story of the Sermon on the Mount, or as we call it, the Kingdom Manifesto that yes. Jesus outlined that would be his basic yeah. manifesto. So you can see when Jesus eventually started his ministry on earth and eventually went into that synagogue and they gave him the scripture to read, one of the most sobering things that was shocking in the right sense was it says they gave him the scroll and he sat down. Interesting. He sat down and was saying to every Jewish mind out there, what I'm about to say mm. is doctrine, theology. It's it's the foundations. Right, right. And then he began to open the scripture and said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. Yeah. And I am he, you know, basically. That's so, amazing. Tony, this is so good. Question for you yet. And that is, you spent most of your life, as I have, uh, in church leadership, in kingdom leadership, and rather than marketplace leadership. I mean, I had my first maybe 30 years or so, you know, of my life. I was involved as a farm boy and took over, a, you know, a management with my father on a family farm. But most of my life has been in church kingdom leadership and ministered to many marketplace people, but that was my lot in life. And you, I think, basically the same. We have friends who also, we've both ministered to marketplace leaders and they're, in their, they're connected to the church, the kingdom people, but they're in the marketplace. And we both know a few people, or at least some people, maybe you more than I, who do both well. Hmm. They do well in the marketplace, that's their call, and yet, and yet they're in church leadership at the same time. Talk to us about that. Is that something you recommend? How do you know if you should do both? How do you, how do you know if you do one or the other? Talk to us about that. Yeah, that's a great subject, and over the last few years has been one, you know, tossed around a bit. I think it depends on the level of call into one or the other, okay. or both. I do encourage all of our leaders in marketplace or in church life, and particularly yes. our church leaders, to develop multiple streams of income. Okay. So so not just to be I agree. reliable we on do the salary same. from the thing. We do the same. I think it's much healthier, and I think it stops... Um, wrong motive in church leadership of saying, hey, if we lose a few people, I won't get my salary. <laughs> I better protect right. this right. thing somehow. Uh, but I do believe in the church life, pastors, leaders in there right. ought to be well cared for as well, you know, and yeah. honored. So, um, and I believe a lot in the marketplace, a lot of a part of their call is to be raised up to help mm -hmm. fund those who need to be Correct. set aside in a different way. Correct. What I do, um, so I encourage multiple stream of income, investment, real estate, sure. different things, and um, not make some of the mistakes we did where we were young that believed anything out there was of the devil. Right, Therefore, right. Get rid of your insurance the policy. Raw, the raw holy people, they, you know, they don't do that, right? Yeah. <laughs> so we tried to deal with the whole area of one's not in the ministry and the other's somewhere else. We're all in the we're ministry. We're all in the ministry, yeah. like you yeah. teach a lot. We're all ministers. Yep. I mean, that was so foundational in Darvish who went through yep. those stages. Um, so we encourage that in, in every way that um, we can. But I, I believe if you've got an apostolic, prophetic, fivefold gifting, however it functions out, uh, I'm careful when I say that because I believe that should be primarily to equip the saints for the work right. of the ministry. So I have some questions on the way it's discussed today. But, but basically, if you feel a real anointing call wherever it is, then I think there's going to be an area you're going to, I hate to say specialize in, but is your major mm -hmm. focus. So you say someone can do both. They could lead a large corporation. They could pastor, be the senior pastor of a church. 
but probably one would take precedence over the other in most cases. Yeah, if it's church in the house, you know, sure. house church is a different right. ball game. If it's a a, a micro church in a marketplace yeah. situation, yeah. but I think if it's what we call uh, not necessarily mega church, but macro church, right. more bigger right. church, or even sure. congregational church, the danger is if you've got a great anointing in the marketplace and you start to lead a church you're probably going to lead it more as a business than as a family because that that's where your strength is. So that can be the danger. But you know, some people are well capable of doing both. Sure. But I believe the majority of people um, need to know the why they're here right. and what is that focus point. Very good. Um, and so, you know, and, and give your life to it mm -hmm. because one person I know well, you know this person as well, but teaches a lot in kingdom over years and, and studied it, he felt when people talk about, well, Paul made tents for a season. Mm -hmm. But in his study of it, he felt Paul's apostolic life was at its worst level, if you want, almost inefficient level when he had to do that. Oh, really? And the reason he was doing it was not so much because he was embracing the bivocation of life, but rather that the church people, kingdom people, were not really supporting gift ministry like they ought to be. I see. And so he had a bit different approach on it when you look at it. But I believe for my life, it, 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 you know, in early years I did everything from driving a van and delivering sweets to sweet shops and to doing a haberdashery sure. run around Australia trying sure. to paint houses, same time trusting, believing God, yeah. just whatever it yeah. was to keep moving yeah. forward. I think there's also a danger the other way is that some people are leading smaller kind churches. Their gift and anointing is really not necessarily fivefold, but more of an eldership mm -hmm. standing. Not that that can't be fivefold, right. but an eldership standing, and would be far better off in the marketplace and serving in that eldership role than working in a smaller church. Yeah, a lot of the finances needing to go towards them, right. and they really are not having to be. They're active in there. So I, I think it just depends on the circumstance. And I heard, heard you say clearly multiple streams of income are recommended by you. And I, I agree. I think there's great wisdom in that. Tony, you have so much teaching and so many subjects, and we want to put on our show notes how people can get a hold of you, how they can get a hold of your materials. What yeah. are some areas? We're still actually redoing almost everything are you? I've okay. done in the past. But um, on our Anything with Church of the Nation okay. website, COTN, Org. Okay. Um, some of their, they've got our kingdom. We, we taught about 54 sessions on the kingdom from sure. kingdom finances to kingdom family, Great. all those Great. kinds okay. of things. So they can get on through there. Thank you so much for joining us today. Great insights into the kingdom, great insights into leadership, great insights uh, into basic leadership principles that will change lives. So we're so grateful. Any last minute words of wisdom before we sign off? No, other than to say, Larry, I appreciate the opportunity and so appreciative to God and to you for being able to journey with you over these years. That it's we been have. a joy. It's been very fruitful for yeah. Marilyn and I and very beneficial. Well, so the two of you have been a great blessing to Laverne and I and we're yeah. so grateful for you. And to Thank those you. listening to the podcast, you know, listen to this man and hear the wisdom that's flowing through him, not only through those he interviews. So I appreciate that. 
Thank you, and everybody, thank you for joining us today for Larry Carter Leadership Podcast, where we learn those small things we can change that make a huge difference in our lives and those we serve so we can be more effective as true kingdom leaders in the days we live in. Check out the show notes, Tony Fitzgerald, and all that God's given him, and we look forward to being back with you real soon. God bless you all. Thank you for listening to Larry Kreider's Leadership Podcast. If you want more information about any of Larry's books, daily devotionals, small group resources, or any other teachings, go to LarryKreider.com.